As we think about resting with eternity in view, I want to just draw your attention to this passage of Scripture. There are many places in the Bible that rest is mentioned. But I love this passage of Scripture in Psalms 37. Uh, David is what we believe to be the author. Some people think it was uh, Solomon. I don't, I would not agree with that. But once again, I'm not absolutely positive. But David, uh, in the Bible, mentioned 55 times trouble or problems in his writing. 106 times, almost double that, he mentioned a person who was an enemy of his. Problems and people. It kind of goes together, don't they, sometimes? And many of us in our life, if you keep breathing, you're going to have problems. You're going to have challenges with problems that are outside your control. It could be a flat tire. It could be a health problem. It could be something that goes on and, and that no one can blame. It just happens to you. Or it could be a person who's an enemy. 106 enemies. Six times David refers to enemies. 55 times he refers to his problems. And I'm so glad, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 15, verse number 4, that those things were written aforetime, were written for our, our comfort. That through the, the stories and the patience and the, and the example of those who've gone before us, we can have hope. I summarize that, and you can read it again on your own, and maybe we should probably turn and read it together. But people went through hard times, so that when you would go through a hard time, you would kind of know the perspectives that you should have with that. God does not withdraw from us some of the hardships that people go through. He tells about David and Goliath. He tells about Peter denying the Lord, how his heart was so broken when he did that. He tells about Hannah's cry for a child. Lord, please give me a child. Esau's begging for his father's blessing. Can you, don't you just have one blessing for me? He tells us the rejection of, jo of Joseph in the scriptures. He tells about Jesus being uh, rejected and hurt and did nothing but good, but got nothing but bad, badgered continually. And even the, the, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God said, you've got to consider Jesus who endured such contradiction of sinners. Contradiction is like against all logic. Why did they hate him so? What would it cause them to say, crucify him, crucify? Why? What did he do so wrong? He fed them. He healed them. No one can you find the Bible who didn't ask God for help that he didn't, Christ didn't help them. Whether it be a, a Bartimaeus screaming his head off louder and louder. Someone who has a sick child, he helped them. Suffer little children to come unto me. And yet, against all logic, they hated him. The enemies were there. And here we find David kind of gives a strategy. In the aftermath of, of a life, and he's an old man at this time. He'll say later in this chapter, I was young, but now I'm old. He's not a young man. He is weathered. The decades of life. He ruled Israel for 40 years after Saul did. He'll hand over the mantle to Solomon. And after a long life, looking back over the difficulties and the heartaches, 
He gives us insight in how we should think about especially people who hurt us or wicked people who seem to do whatever they want to do with no accountability and no repercussions. In our world at large and in our oftentimes our lives, it may be a guy at work. It may be a a girl at work. It may be someone in your family. It may be someone whose strife is their life. They've got to stir it up. You know, if there's any kind of problem, they throw their hat and they have two more hats to throw down and, 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 and complicate something. But as, as one of the challenges of a child of God is wondering, why is it so hard for me? How many have ever felt that about yourself, you big babies? Yeah, just like me. I got two hands up. I'm a big baby. Sometimes I just think, my goodness, this should not be this complicated. This should not be this hard. There sh- no, no, uh, no one should cause this many problems. But here, David gives us some perspective. And I don't want to be in this, in this group of the wicked men, but he, just t- he compares us. And he says, look, when you're going through something, he uses the first word. What's the first word you see in your Bible there? What's the second word? Not. Fret not. Don't worry. Don't get caught up in it. Fret not thyself because of who? Evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. He said, I don't want you to get caught up in fretting and worrying and rubbing your hands together and staying up late and getting up early and, and fretting because you don't see equality. When you see the negative, you see the people, the Hugh Hefners and the, the Flints and some of the perverse people of the day seem to get all the good things. Even though they're very wicked and very profane. And people said in this, in, in all through scriptures and all through history, they're like, all right, if God's all that, how come bad people don't seem to have it so bad? He said, I don't want you fretting yourself about that because of evildoers. And he said, don't, don't uh, neither be envious or, or, or spend a lot of time being jealous or envious of people who are workers of iniquity. Verse number two, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass that withereth as, and it withereth as a green herb. So he said, there is a, there's a short season. I uh, will cut some grass and rake some leaves tomorrow, Lord willing, if the raindrops don't keep falling on my head. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut, cut some grass. And the truth of the matter is, uh, grass grows up and it has a short shelf life. It, it gets cut down. And time has that ability. And God says, look, there is a time and everything will come to fruition. In 2 Second, uh, Timothy chapter 3, when God begins to name the perilous times, he said there will be perilous times shall come. And it will start out with men will be lovers of their own self, covetous. Truce breakers, false accusers, heady, high-minded, lovers of their own selves, more than lovers of God. Disobedient, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Begins to name 18 selfish sins. Now, some of those sins are in our culture, understandably so. But some of those sins are in the people of God. And oftentimes in leaders. And from the selfish sins come men and women laden with sexual sins, leading captive silly women laden with sins. 
And then they go from really selfish sins to sexual sins to sins of ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of what? Truth. And then the Bible tells us, just like Janus and Jambres withstood Moses in the wilderness, so do these men withstand uh, God's, God's leadership. And then the Bible tells us, but, but one day they will proceed no further. It's going to stop. God's going to stop it. And, you know, when you see evil uh, in the world today at large, he said, look, one day it's going to stop. But in the meantime, we need to have a good example. In the, in the meantime, we need to be willing to continue on. In the meantime, we need to be willing to continue thou in the things that you've heard and been assured of, knowing of whom you've heard them. In the meantime, we need to make much uh, of the Scriptures. Because the Scriptures show us how to be saved, that from a child you've known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise into salvation. He said, in the meantime, you need to know that the Word of God makes you profitable in a, in a wicked world. He said, all Scriptures give an inspiration of God and is profitable. God wants you to be saved, and He wants you to be successful, profitable. Knowing what is right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. Doctrine, reprove, correction, and instruction of righteousness. And then so you can be seasoned or perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished into all good works, and able to serve the Lord. So those are just some admonitions here. But he says, look, I don't want you to get all stirred up. Whenever you don't see equality among wicked people of iniquity. So I think all of us have that. We have, we have to scratch our heads sometimes. How could someone be so wicked? How can they do wrong and yet seems like there's no accountability? Well, look, if you would please, and the admonition, verse number three. Would you read it with me out loud, everybody? Trust in the Lord and do good. The Bible tells us, trust in the Lord. He goes, I want you to trust me. Trust in the Lord. And then also there's something he wants us to do inside. And in addition to trust him, what does the Bible say there? To do good. To do good. And thou shalt dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. So the Bible says, John, your name when you, when you look at, uh, at, the, at the world and you see that, that immorality and, and sin and all the things, the iniquity, it seems like it's prospered and now it's not a check, trust the Lord and you keep doing what's right. We overcome evil with good. He said, trust the Lord and do good. And then there will be a natural satisfaction. God will meet you and satisfy you in the place now, let me just tell you this, friend. This is not natural for you or for me. When we get hit sideways, uh, this is not a natural thing to just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to keep doing what's right. He said, if you do it, verily thou shalt be fed. He said, I'm going to take care of you right there in that place. Aren't you glad that God's a God like that? I do too. Let's look at verse number four. And we're talking about resting in the Lord. Here's the second admonition. Not only trust in the Lord and do good, but delight thyself also in the, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight means to love and to be excited. You know, not in the ministry, not in your pastor, not in your Sunday school class, but in the Lord. By the way, each of these admonition, when you can't seem to connect the dots on how the evil man seems to prosper and with no accountability... He said, you need to trust in the 
Lord. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord, and he shall give you desires of your heart. I can't hardly read this without thinking about my beloved mom, 82 years old. This is her life's first. And if you sit with my mom very long, she'll tell you things that she just tried to delight in the Lord when she did, couldn't connect the dots, and God brought the desires of her heart to prosper. I'm looking into the eyes of people in this room, and I watch some people today just find their seat, and, and I could not help but just reflect and thank God personally from my own heart and my own lips sitting over here. I said, Lord, thank you for what you brought them through. Thank you for where they could have been and how they could have shipwrecked themselves and everyone around them. And yet they're sitting in church, loving the Lord, serving Jesus as we speak. You know why? They trust in the Lord and kept doing what was right. Number two, they delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, either that means he will change our desires, but he says, I'm ready to give you the desires of your heart. You know, study mankind, find people that have been doing the right thing the right way for their whole lifetime, and ask them, do you regret doing that? I don't think you'll find a single person who loves God their whole life, gives, gives themselves in reckless abandonment to the will of God that says, boy, I really messed my life up. No, that's the beauty. That's where you find the fulfillment of your heart. Now, I can't, I'm not finished my life yet. I mean, my casket may be in town today, but I haven't finished my life yet. But if I did today, and I look in the eyes of people who've been faithful where they are right now, trying to do, we all have, we're all a mess up. We're all a bunch of dirt pots. Some of us got more dirt in our pot than other people. We're all just a mess. But at the same time, we can finish our race, all of us, all the way. Doing what God wants us to do. And you know what I find at the end of life? You'll look back and say, he gave me the desires of my heart. Look at, number, look at the next verse. Verse number, verse number five. Here's the second thing the Bible, third thing, asks God to do. He said, trust in the Lord, do good. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And then he says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, a, a key to peace is commitment. And that commitment, the word commit means to roll it on to God. Do you think of any verses in the Bible that tell us we ought to take our care and throw it on to God? Anybody have a thought in mind that comes to your mind, Brother Jason? Yeah, First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7, cast all, how much? Your care upon him. Why? He cares for you. I love that song. Know that he loves you so he will hold you fast. Cast it all upon him. I like what, what the psalmist says in Psalm 55, verse number 22. Cast thy burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He says, commit your way into the Lord. Trust also in him. And you know what? He will bring it to pass. The old preacher was asked, you know, he said, problems don't come to stay. They come to pass. He said one of his favorite verses in the Bible, and it came to pass. I'll never forget waking up uh, to the phone call of the coroner when our son passed away. And just processing with Linda all the things are going to happen before we had to start calling everyone and waking them up. I didn't want to wake up anybody. I was trying to ask Linda, how do, we, how do we tell each of the kids? Do we tell them all together? Do we tell them one by one that Tyler's with Jesus now? How are we going to face the church? What do we tell the church? And... And, and calling mom and calling your mom and your dad and 
and aunts and uncles. I remember calling Brother John and Miss Cynthia as our family members and began telling them what happened. But, you know, I, I never thought I was going to ever stop hurting. And many of you have been through that. I thought I was going to die. And just it was all I could do to put one foot in front of another and help Linda and do, go through that. And I can't tell you how many times I laid, Linda laid under my arm and just cried and cried. And I said, I don't know, honey, what to tell you. I couldn't imagine Job's wife with 10 caskets. But I know that this would happen. That was 15 years ago. You know what? God is very gracious. And it came to no problems don't come to stay, they come to pass. And whatever it is, your heartache of your life, you got to, God says, well, here's what you got to do. You got to commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. He'll bring it to pass. Well, when things, when you can't connect the dots, and buddy, if you have to figure God out, God bless you. But His ways are higher than His thoughts and our thoughts. And, and boy, we need to get, get in, in line with the Scripture so we can understand it better. But the truth of the matter is, if you have to understand God, and understand everything that happens this side of eternity, I think you're going to go to the funny farm. I don't think you're going to make it. There's just certain things that we just have to trust the Lord. Certain things we need to trust the Lord and do good. Some things we have to just delight in the Lord and know that He'll bring desires heart. Some things we just commit our way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He'll bring it to pass. I've sat with many of you through very difficult times. And I won't, I won't go through names or situations, but we've been through a lot of funerals in ten and a half years. We've been through some very difficult seasons. Some of you, it's been in the office, some has been in your living rooms. Sometimes it's been through watching the coroner bring our loved ones out of the house and crying together, working through problems in our basements, in our living rooms, in our front yards, and in cars, and wherever it is. But the truth of the matter is, those times now, God, if we commit them unto the Lord, he brings them to pass. See, I, I'm so glad that this verse might have been written 2,500 years ago. Isn't it wonderful how relative the Bible is to us today? Look at the next verse. He says, first of all, trust in the Lord. Number two, delight thyself also in the Lord. Number five, number, verse number five tells us, commit our way to the Lord. And then verse number six, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. He said he's going to light up the world with you and I doing the right thing. You know, one thing I know about this trilogy, it's all right. It's all right to trust the Lord and do good. It's all right to delight in the Lord. It's all right to, to roll over your problems unto the Lord and know that you can trust him and he'll bring it to pass. He said, when you do that right thing, by the way, you'll find when you read your Bible, righteousness will surface with regularity. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his. Why do we go soul winning and talk to folks about Christ? Why would you get the gospel track and hand out a gospel track or invite someone to the Christmas program? By the way, get those flyers and get that gospel track and get that out to people. And then people received that with great all this morning when I went out, the last, yesterday afternoon when I went out, people were ready to receive that. They're looking for something. You never know what God can do through that situation. But why do we do that? Because the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And he that wins his souls is, hey, the right thing to do is to tell someone about Christ. 
rises. He says, you know what? If you will do these right things, when you can't connect the dots on why things are not lining up and why you're having a hard time with people or with problems, uh, then if you'll figure out those three things, you'll trust in the Lord, do good. You'll delight yourself also in the Lord. You will commit your way to the Lord and trust also in Him. He'll bring it to pass. Your righteousness will light up the darkest night. And it will shine as the noonday. He said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light your path. You know, I, 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 I like to drive during the day. I was driving back from Michigan the other day. And boy, I'm telling you, I saw about 10 dead deer on the side of the road on the way up there. And I was terrified coming back. I thought, man, I am, I am not excited about running into one of these deer. But in the daytime, I have a lot more vision to see them out in the future and there. But boy, right at nighttime, all you have is the headlights you have there. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to light up your path like the noonday. And boy, all of us need that. We need, we need God to light up our direction. Let's look at the next thing the Bible tells us. I love this, the simplicity of Scripture, and I'm sure you do too. Verse 7. Here is our key verse. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Rest in the Lord. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Even in times where it seems like the wicked seem to have their day, it seems like they prosper. He said, I want you to wait on me and I want you to rest in me. And that is something we're not naturally ready to do. We want to, we impulse, we're impulsive people. We don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. You don't like to wait. And in our day, it seems like it's even in, on steroids. We want things to happen right now. We want to fix things now. What can we do? What can, how can we do it? And God says, rest in me, John. Rest in me. Wait for me. And don't worry about the other things. Let's continue the next, the next verse, and we'll conclude in just a moment. Verse number 8. What pops up if I don't want to wait in difficulties? Cease from what? And forsake? Wrath. Fret not thyself for any wise to do what? Well, we, want to, we want to meet evil with evil, don't we? When something doesn't happen our way. He said, I want you, I want you John. I want you, your name, whatever it is. Your name. He said, when you, got it, when you got that bad feeling about that, he said, don't, don't resort to evil. Don't, re, don't resort to anger and wrath. Fret not thyself to, to, to give evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good, the Bible reminds us in the book of, of Romans, chapter number 12. These are things that are important for us to learn. The Bible tells in James chapter 1, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The worst mistakes I've ever made in my life, uh, some of them have been made impetuously where I just, I pushed my way into getting something I wanted. Those are some bad mistakes. But the other way I've made the worst mistakes is when I've been angry. Because when I'm angry, I don't do the right thing. How many ever made a dumb mistake in anger? How many ever said something you shouldn't have said, but it was because you were angry that you said that? Boy, we say all kinds of things. We get, out, we get our temper upset. He said, look, John, cease from anger. Put away wrath. By the way, people say, I can't help it. It's my heritage. I'm Irish. I'm this, I'm this person. I'm in the, that's just the way my dad was, the way my grandfather was. Listen, uh, you can have victory over anger, and you should. 
especially when we can't connect the dots. Let's look at the next verse if we can, please. The Bible's reminding us in verse number nine, for evildoers shall be cut off and those that wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the what? Earth. That's, uh, when is that going to happen? Is that going to happen in your lifetime here? Nope, that's a future event. And we want delayed gratification. Verse number 10, for yet a little while the wicked shall not be, yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place and shall not be. Verse number 11, read it with me. The meek shall inherit the earth. And the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, and the sea, and, and, uh, for he seeth that his day is coming. For the wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow and cast down the poor and the needy and slay such as one that is upright in conversation. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their vows shall be broken. I can't wait to talk about verse 16 next week. But the Bible just reminds that God is the great equalizer. In a wicked world that we live in where challenges have come from every sort, I want to encourage you to trust in the Lord and do good. It's plain, black and white. Delight in the Lord and let him give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way into the Lord. Throw, roll over your problems into him. Take your care and make it prayer. Take your care and make it. And be careful for nothing but everything by prayer. And a supplication with thanksgiving. That's your request being known to God. And then he tells us to rest in the Lord. To rest in the Lord. And trust him. Wait on him. Don't, don't get out in front of God. Don't get angry. These are, these are things that could help us every day. But especially when moments of time where we're frustrated with the scenarios that we see in our wicked world. Boy, in society, I just... Today, I read a few things about what's going on in Israel and, and the Hamas, and it just grieves me so bad. And I'm thinking, Lord, how long will the wicked rage? When I look at our government and I see that right is wrong and wrong is right. When I see society and the newscast and, and the things that just like, doesn't anyone have a brain here? Is what is wrong? And then sometimes I see Christians who are just have no regard for the name of Christ. No regard for the consequences of anger and wrath and those kind of things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It grieves me. But I do believe I have the same admonition that you do. Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Because the meek, you know what meekness is? Meekness is the willingness to adjust to God's pace and agenda. Meekness is a willingness to adjust to God's pace and agenda. It's, 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 it's the attribute of a spirit-filled Christian. He said, through the spirit is love, joy, peace. And then the three middle ones there are due to other people, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, and long-suffering with people. And then the last three are faith, Meekness and temperance. Those are Godward. The first, the first three, love, joy, peace, those are inward inside of me. And what's on the inside of you comes out under some pressure and some heat. Well, when I have pressure, you have pressure, what ought to come out is love, joy, peace. The, thir the three middle ones, those are what I, I show toward my, my fellow brothers and sisters. Am I long-suffering? Am I gentle? Am I good? Am I generous? 
And then, and then the last three are ones I direct toward God. Do I have faith in God? Will I adjust to his pace and agenda? Am I content with the place and the pace that he's got me on? So many people are way out in front. They're wanting God to meet them at their timetable. How important it is to say, God, I'll let you set the timetable. I'll adjust to you, not let you adjust to me. One of the most beautiful things about a wife is a wife is a meek and a quiet spirit, a willingness to adjust to the leadership of her husband, not to make her husband adjust to her, to adjust to his pace and agenda. And that sometimes we are not adjusting to God's pace or agenda, not, not letting our spirit be calm, but letting God wait on the Lord, knowing that God's timetable is the best. Let's pray together. Can we please?